We talking rom-com, we talking action, we talking drama and movie classics. Whatever you want, yo, we have it. Cause we talking movies on a podcast. So I married a film critic. So I married a film critic. So I married a film critic. Hey honey, I just wanna so talk I about the movie like casually. Critic. You don't have to so bring up married- the cinematography honestly let's just talk about like how the characters were fun married a film critic so i married a film critic welcome to so i married a film critic a discussion between a professional film critic and lecturer and me his wife of 20 years who just likes to watch movies for fun i'm your co-host julia i'm married the film critic hello everyone and tonight we are talking about a creepy movie from 1985, <laughs> Return to Oz. This is a sublime film that came out at a really bizarre time. This is one of my favorite periods, talking about the Disney dynasty, because as we know, Disney now owns just about everything. They own every single IP out there, with the exception of just a few things. But there was a period where Disney almost went under, and it was this summer of 85, because they released a movie called The Black Cauldron. That movie lost so much money that it was the park um, the, the um, park admissions that kept the, kept the lights on, kept that place going, because they almost went completely bankrupt over that movie, over the loss of box office, over the fact that they didn't know what they were doing. Walt Disney died in 1967. And there was just a like a you know like a fifteen year period where they're going we don't know who we are now because you know we we don't have our visionary at, at the helm and they were putting out movies that were basically like reflections of what was popular at the time Superman came out so they released Condor Man Star Wars came out so they released the Black Hole and in between this weird period where they're releasing movies like the Fox and the Hound that didn't really work or Robin Hood which felt really derivative I like a lot of these movies by the way but it just it really wasn't classic Disney. And in the meantime, some amazing films kind of snuck under the radar. One was Tron. Another was, one was a film called uh, Dragon Slayer, which I also love, and it's incredibly violent. You would believe it's a Disney movie. And then this thing, Return to Oz, which uh, Disney owned. You know, they had the the rights, and it's like, of course, we're Disney. Of course, we're going to do a sequel to The Wizard of Oz, but not the movie. The books by L. Frank Baum, including Ozma of Oz and The Land of Oz. So you have this film, which is, I got to say, very ahead of its time because it's terrifying. It's a fantasy film. It's about a world where a little girl is the one who knows the truth and is, is the gateway to this fantasy world where adults disbelieve. I mean, this is like, this is Harry Potter. This is Narnia. This is The Hunger Games. This is everything that works now. But in 1985, there was nothing like this movie. And as you can imagine, uh, this film was a disaster when it was in theaters. This was a big summer movie for 85. This came out the same summer as Back to the Future, The Goonies, Rambo, First Blood Part Two. you know, fun movies. And then this thing comes out and I mean, you know, word got around very quickly. It was rated PG, but people are going, don't take your kids to this. This is really a scary and uh, a stressful film. Yeah, I can imagine being a parent in 1985 and being like, oh, a sequel to Wizard of Oz. That's great. And then being like, now my kids have nightmares 
for weeks on end. Yeah, for me, it was probably longer than weeks. I, I didn't see it in the theater. I, I told you this. My mom and I were walking past the theater marquee. My mom's looking at the poster. She's like, oh, Perry, let's go see this. This looks great. We had like an afternoon together. And, and I looked at the poster. I remember thinking something about that looks really creepy. And I'm like, no, I think I was in second or third grade. S- second grade, I think. And mom's like, oh, okay. And man, do we dodge a bullet. Because mom was ready to take me right then and there. Um, Your mom would have like freaked out. Yeah, and I'll, and I'll speak a little bit more about later when we get into it. But I did see this film on the big screen at the Esquire Theater in Denver, Colorado, one of the best, biggest screens in America. And I got to go to a midnight screening of it. It was a prestigious print. And to see this movie on a giant screen with surround sound, it pulverized me. <laughs> and I know this movie really well. And at that point, I'd probably seen it like a dozen times. But seeing it on the big screen, like, yeah, this, this film, is it's a lot. I don't actually remember when I first saw this film. This may have been my second or third time watching it. I probably subjected you to it once. Yeah. Yeah. No, this was at least my second time, maybe my third. But this movie is terrifying. And I don't know (laughs) if like Kansas is scarier or Oz is scarier. Well, I've been to Kansas. Kansas is definitely scarier. It's all a nightmare. Like her real life and Oz, everything is a nightmare. Well, let's get into it. Feruza Balk was uh, chosen over a lot of candidates. I'd love to know who who the... I wonder if there's like, you know, audition tapes of like Reese Witherspoon or or what, Elizabeth Shue, whoever whoever it was. Elizabeth Shue would have been too old at that point. I wonder like who didn't get the role of Dorothy Gale, if there's anybody we know. But yeah, Feruza Balk was chosen. I've, I heard from thousands. Um, but Feruza Balk plays uh, Dorothy Gale. This is her film debut. And I got to say, she's wonderful. She has me from the very first scene. Um, not only does she have such beautiful eyes, but but haunted, haunted eyes. So when we first meet Dorothy Kale, uh, she can't sleep. She's looking out her window, watching the stars. But I mean, it, it's not like a dreamy Judy Garland gaze. It's no. it's like this is a kid who has who's seen been, some stuff. Who's been traumatized. Traumatized by well, the events of the first film. Well, it's been six months since the tornado and she's not the same. She can't sleep. Annie M wants to take her to a doctor. Annie M is Piper Laurie from uh, Twin Peaks and also Carrie, Carrie White's mom from Carrie. Mm-hmm. Cover your dirty pillows. <laughs> that Piper Laurie. Oh my gosh. Um, okay, so typecast is the mom of of, of kind of unstable young women. Creepy anyway. mom, yeah. creepy aunt. She okay. does it well. So the next day, Dorothy finds a key on the property, and it says Oz on it. And she she shows Annie M, and Annie M's like, hey, "It's just your imagination," and she wants to take her to this doctor. And Dorothy's like, but I don't want to go. And she's like, you're no use to me on this farm Mm. if you, like, can't help me. And you can't help me if you're not sleeping and you're falling asleep during the day. I think she's being passive aggressive, though, because Uncle Henry isn't doing jack. We see that Uncle Henry is just sitting around. I guess he's kind of hitting the bottle. No, no, but he had – his leg was broken and now he's just being lazy because she's like, his leg's not broken anymore. Exactly. Yeah, so I think she's taking out some – you know, she's like kind of projecting onto Dorothy. Anyway, it's not a healthy environment. And, it, you know, it's interesting because ever since Dorothy emerged, you know, you know, at DM, I had dreamt of you and the scarecrow. I, I, it seems like what was endearing at the end of The Wizard of Oz is now like, oh, my gosh, she won't stop talking about this world. <laughs> but you know what? It's Kansas. I've been there. There's nothing to talk about in Kansas. So I get it. All she wants to do is talk about this fantasy world. I totally get it. Um, but, I, but you know, because this is, I mean, this is before, this is right before the 20th century. So yeah. there's no radio. It's there's a, nothing. Yeah. So this kid has this vivid imagination. She met these fantastical characters. 
or so we it's think. It's 1899 yeah. in the middle of nowhere. So. Yeah. Yeah. So like the fact that she has this extraordinary fantasy life is, you know, pretty remarkable for her. It's troubling to her caretakers, her aunt and uncle who are, you know, watching over her because of course it sounds like the ravings of a crazy person. And that's, mm-hmm. I want to say from the get go, that is something that the film wants us to consider. Mm-hmm. Um, how much of this actually happens? Does any of it happen? Um, and there are there are moments where fantasy and reality seem to intertwine, and we'll talk about that. Okay. So anyway. Well, so Annie M takes Dorothy on this trip. Oh, and Toto. Toto is mourning the loss of Dorothy, and it's like, oh man, this movie is like cutting deep because Toto is well, like he wants to go with them on you know to the doctor. He doesn't know where they're going. Obviously, Toto's having like like a Stanley Kowalski streetcar <laughs> moment. Like, Stella! It's like bark. Oh! howling like oh like man they but it, it is heartbreaking they found like a dog like can you find a dog that can like just like the saddest dog oh perfect perfect like this dog is <laughs> killing it so sad to watch like dorothy like and, and, and she's like is he gonna be okay and ntm's like yeah he's gonna be fine they cut to like toto toto's like don't go dorothy you don't know <laughs> okay so they go to this Okay, it's not even a doctor. Like, where did they take her? Some kind of... Sanitarium? Yeah, some kind of weird clinic. They found it in a newspaper, and it says, what was it, like electrical treatment? Electrical, yeah, yeah, and it's okay. Dr. Worley, and it's amazing There's, electrical current. I know, basically electroshock therapy. Yes. Well, and so Dorothy's explaining Oz to him, and she's going through all the characters that she met. And I told you, like, this is a detail that's disturbing. I don't know if, and and it's been a while since I've read Bomb. I don't know if it's in the old Frank Bomb book or not, but she says that the, was it the Tin Man? The Tin Man, yeah. uh, He basically used an axe to chop off all of his human parts and replace them all with tin parts. Definitely not in the Julie Garland film. (laughs) I don't know. If, I don't know. If, I don't even know if that's in bomb. I, so, I yeah, I can't remember if it is again, or not. Again, things of nightmare. But it's a, yeah, it's a pretty it's a pretty wild detail, and I and I I think I understand why any any adult at this at this point would be like this kid's uh, this kid's having some problems. Yeah. So Annie M just thinks like, oh yeah, this is a great idea. I'm gonna leave this child here overnight, and this is what the doctor says about his process because he's she's like, will it hurt? And he's like. The brain produces excess electrical currents when there's a blow to the head. Now we have a means of controlling those currents. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is no. Well, this is pseudoscience. You know, this is what they, you know, this is, you know, the fact that they had access to electricity is what's novel about this. Their understanding of it is not. Right. Because this whole clinic has electricity and lights and everything. And nobody really has that yet. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. So. Bye, NEM. <laughs> yeah. Off. She's like, see you tomorrow. And I guess the movie lingers on Dorothy being alone in her room, such as it was, the door's locked. And she looks out the window, sees NTM, you know, her carriage, horse and carriage going away. And there's this long shot where she's just sitting by herself. She's got a little, a little mini jack-o'-lantern. Mm-hmm. And uh, we hear the squeaky wheels coming close and close to the door. I think that's the first for me. That's the first tip, you know, the first tip off. They're like, oh, okay, this is um, this is not going to go well. No, <laughs> this is really scary. This is really bad. Well, but there's another girl that visits her. This yes. little blonde girl, mm-hmm. and she's just kind of like talking to her, but she's like, I'll come back later, you know. And so we're we don't really know what she's doing. And we're constantly seeing her in uh, through either through a window or, or in a reflection in glass. So she's like this girl who keeps materializing through glass. And mm-hmm. so the film goes back to that. 
I mean, so it's like nighttime. And then when they finally come and get her yep. and put her on this bed and they make her, they tie her down. And boys is a grim group. Uh, the head nurse, um, I want to say Nurse Ratchet, that's not the name of the character. Um, she's played by Jean Marsh. Jean Marsh is a treasure in the uh, acting community, uh, ac- a theater legend. She's a, she also played uh, Queen Bav Morda in um, Willow right after this. And she's extraordinary in that too. You know, I mean, if they, they found somebody to match Margaret Hamilton, that's what they did. I mean, they found like, yeah, like that's who true. can scare kids? And this actress is sublime. And here. they put her in this black dress oh, with these like... Killer shoulder pads. Pointy shoulder pads. Yeah. She's like a 1956 car. It's like a Ford Fairlane with like the, with the, <laughs> the shark fins. I mean, it's, yeah, it, she looks like... She looks like a witch. You could like, you know, like, like open a bottle cap on her shoulder pads. Yeah, it's amazing. She looks great. So they they take Dorothy into this room and they're like getting the machine all going and they're going to put these like... Um, Electrodes. It's like, this. it looks like headphones where they're going to put it... On her you ears, know. yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're going to kill her. Um, so they do put the thing on her and they're going to they're gonna electrocute her here, but then the power goes out and you're like, oh my gosh, thank God. You know, when I'm watching the scene where they, they strap her to the bed and they're taking her down the hallway and the movie really lingers. I mean, it, it takes its time. It's even the suspense, it, not only suspenseful, but it's like, can this movie possibly go in where we think it is? I'm watching, I'm really like paying attention to the actors and I'm trying to get like the story that we're not seeing. Like, is this just another day here for them? Do they enjoy this? Do they enjoy like putting little kids in their place? Like what is going on? Is it, is, are they sadistic? Are they just like, you know, like, oh my gosh, like we, we took this, this job. We're working for this madman. Or are they like, maybe this will be the kid that gets cured. I'm trying to read what's going on with this, the staff here. Okay. The staff look like they haven't slept in like weeks. So I don't know. Yeah, they look. There's something very unstable about all. They think maybe they've they've had some of his treatments. Yeah, the the like guys who are. That's really... how he pays them in shock treatment. <laughs> <laughs> Just got one more hour in this shift, then I get the shock. That'll be ten treatments for you this week. Yes. <laughs> I brought my own bit. I'm ready. <laughs> my brains aren't quite mush yet, so let's get this done. But um, they go to like try and fix this electrical thing. And there's like screaming all throughout the building. And then the little blonde girl comes to rescue Dorothy. And remember and, listeners, we are talking about a Disney film. This is a Walt Disney presents movie. Yeah, and these kids are like 11, 12 years old. Yeah. Okay. But she says, cause Dorothy's like, what's all that screaming? And the little girl says the screaming is patients who have been damaged and they're locked in the cellar. Oh my gosh. What? Wow. <laughs> Like, uh, are there any deleted scenes? <laughs> I mean, this Because if like, so, can we bump it up to an R rating? I mean, this is like that movie where the um, kids are stuck in the in that house, that like that house of horrors, uh, when they, their tongues are cut out. Oh, geez, the people under the stairs. Yes, it's okay. like the people under the stairs type okay. of situation. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's bad. Yeah. Okay, so the girls are they, so. they run out into the storm and um, they end up in the river after being chased. And They're being chased by Nurse Wilson, the, yeah. the head nurse played by played by Jean Marsh. And there's a moment where I kind of wonder about again this idea of fantasy and reality. Um, 
because the girls are like, you know, we're not we're not taking any chances with with you know, w- there's no way they're going back. They're like, we'd rather drown in the river. So they yeah, they jump into the river. It's a it's a raging storm and the water's rushing. And at one point, they're going down the water. This big wooden uh, crate pops up. Mm-hmm. But the way it pops up, it almost looks like Nurse Wilson raises it with her hand. Did you notice that? No. It almost looks like she summons it. Mm. And you know, considering. That Nurse Wilson later on appears as a figure in Oz who is a sorceress. I do... I don't know. I, I do wonder if, you know... How they're connected. I think the film is, you know, trying to be ambiguous about it. But, I mean, it, it looks like she summons the, the crate to save these girls. Mm. I could be wrong. But every time I've seen the film, that, that's always the impression I get from that moment. Yeah. Well, at one, so it, it, Dorothy is the only one in the crate. We yeah. don't know what happens to the little blonde Presumably girl. Presumably she dies, yeah. Yeah, we drowns. don't know. Mm-hmm. But she falls asleep and um, she's in the crate and she ends up in a pond. And her chicken, Belina, just shows up in this crate with her. Yeah, it's interesting. Like, the, the film has all these echoes of the prior film. It acknowledges all of the prior characters in The Wizard of Oz. But, you know, those characters are all, we learn, frozen and, and out of commission. So, Belina is the new Toto. Mm-hmm. And it's a talking chicken. And I gotta say, the animatronic effects are so good that often I couldn't tell when the switch happened. Yeah. Because that animatronic chicken, the movement, it's great. Even yeah. when you can clearly tell it's a mouth moving, but the way it twitches, it blinks. I mean, it's a great puppet. So we find out, but earlier before Dorothy goes to the doctor, Belina is her chicken on the farm and she is having a hard time laying her eggs. So. Yes. So that is. That's a, just a little that's detail. A, that's a plot point that actually becomes very important <laughs> in the third act. Very strangely. Yeah. So they, they wake up and she's like, oh no, we're in this big pond. And the pond just keeps shrinking and shrinking. She's like, oh, actually we're not. Um. But then Dorothy realizes that they're in the deadly desert. And if you walk on the deadly desert, you just turn into sand and die. I love it because it sounds like a child's game. Right. Yeah. So she's like, come on, Melina, we we have to stay on the rocks. And so they have to walk across the rocks and get to the grass. Is the deadly desert, I mean, that wasn't in the original movie. So that was was in the books. Yeah, it was in the books. Yeah, 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 it's basically there's Oz. There's just like miles and miles of the deadly desert. Then, of course, we learned the Gnome gnome King's castle and his mountain um, are on the other side. Yeah. Okay, I love the detail of them finding the lunch pail tree. Mm, Yeah. Like, it's very quirky. It is, and very you gotta quirky. and you gotta find one that's that's ripe because God forbid, you know, you open up, you know, your lunch pail, what your lunch pail pod, and you learn that you know your bread is like what green. <laughs> well, she's like, I gotta pick one, yeah, that's ready. That's right. And she has a a ham sandwich inside. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. It's cool. And it's funny because the, the pail clearly says lunch on it. So it's, yeah, it's very <laughs> peculiar. I don't know. I just like that because she's like, well, I'll take one now and I'll take one for later. I'm like, smart thinking, Dorothy. Yeah. <laughs> you don't know if you're if, how many lunch pail trees are around Oz. We don't know. Yeah. So like these scenes are cute because, you know, the chicken has like a Mae West voice and, you know, she and Dorothy are, you know, slowly exploring and things. And, and but you see like this rock. Uh, that has eyes and is watching them. Mm-hmm. And it's the first time we see Will Vinton's extraordinary claymation in this movie. Because this is this is claymation. This is, you know, the, the California Raisins, the Adventures of Mark Twain. This is, you know, Vinton when his... I mean, this is prior to CGI. So, like, what he was doing was, like, just miracles with clay. But it's it's funny because you've got these cute scenes of, like, Belina, let's go see what's over there. And then the rock figure will vanish out of view. And then suddenly it looks like he's in the pits of hell going, 
Master, master, you won't believe what I saw. What did you see? Master, they've seen, they've seen the Emerald City. Find them. And then they cut back to, look, Belina, a worm, you know. So it goes back and forth between these scenes. Like, like, oh, interesting. We're like cutting between Oz and hell, it seems. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And the rocks are kind of creepy. Like, well, it's so, I mean, it's such amazing animation. I mean, they're giving very specific facial expressions that the rocks look smug and self-satisfied and devious. Like, man, those are great, great looks. Yeah. And they're supposed to keep an eye on her. So they just kind of show up at random times. Um, Dorothy finds her old house, the original house that came in the tornado. The, ori- the original site of the original murder. There should be like a little chalk outline where she crushed the Wicked Witch of the like East Head. R.I.P. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what if like there's like some, some Wicked Witch supporters and they've got like some flowers? Oh my gosh. But yeah, there's nobody there. Yeah, so yeah, it, it's an odd detail. And she's like, there's my room. And it's like, just trash everywhere yeah and then squatters and then she sees the yellow brick road and it is oh man jacked this is this is a moment for me it's like wow to think about the original film and to think like hey kids like you want your childhood completely destroyed watch (laughs) this scene where dorothy is just like in a panic she's running 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 and belina's like what are you doing she's like it's the yellow brick road like even the way feruza says the line it's like oh it just got you because like this used to be something that was fantastic and beautiful and it looks like an earthquake hit it yeah yeah the bricks are everywhere it's like like you thought this was beautiful and quirky no it's destroyed (laughs) all your childhood dreams sorry kid it's mud and dirt now I know. So Dorothy's running. She gets to the Emerald City. Emerald City is destroyed. There's people that are turned to stone. Yeah, there's... stone statues used to be people. And then, of course, there's a bunch of maidens dancing who are all headless. Headless, yep. And then there's, like, graffiti, beware, the wheelers. Um, you it's see... like, who put that there? I, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I, That's I really weird. That is weird. Who there's, like, one, there's, like, one guy's, like... <laughs> <laughs> he's like if anybody comes around here i'm gonna make sure they know a graffiti artist in oz yeah that's how that's how bad things have gone in that city yeah we see the tin man and the lion are all turned to stone yeah all of our favorite characters everyone is at stone statues everywhere and then the wheelers come and scare the crap out of dorothy and us and us yeah it's it's interesting like they look like they look like extras from Starlight Express because they're dressed in like these really interesting petticoats, but they've got like new wave eye makeup on. They've got like the you know like the, the Duran Duran eyeshadow, mm-hmm. and they're freaking scary. And they've got these masks that are on one part of their head, but they lift up their heads. They're even scarier with the real face. I mean, it's a pretty. I mean, you know, plus and they got no. They have no uh, legs or arms. They're just like these long appendages with wheels on the bottom of them. It's it's terrifying. I gotta say, like, how do they come? I mean, it's. A, I, I think it's a. It's such a novel idea for a villain because it's so upsetting. Um, <laughs> and then a detail that I've always wondered about because they corner Dorothy and Belina down this hallway and man the boy is that the stuff of nightmares and this movie's just this movie's just like hold my beer and they hide in this in this like this closet and well, her oz key it opens works. it up yeah the oz yeah. key works and she's having a conversation with the head wheeler through the keyhole and mm-hmm. he says like we're gonna tear you apart i'm like how yeah like that did, are they gonna roll over her they're gonna roll over they're gonna use their teeth i mean yeah that that bothers me like how 
Yeah. Is there one with like, like, you know. Do uh, they take their wheels off? Yeah. Do they take wheels off? But like, do they have one wheel where it's like a pizza slicer? Oh. Yeah. Are there like spikes that come out? Maybe. I mean, again. I wouldn't doubt it. It's, it's Return to Oz. This movie isn't playing. No. This movie's not messing around. This is. It's like if you if you can envision this if if you can envision it and it's something that would give Stephen King the chills, it's probably in this movie. Sooner or later, and when you do, we'll tear you into little pieces and throw you in the deadly desert. I haven't done anything to you. Isn't that a stolen lunch bale in your hand? Isn't that a chicken in there with you? Chicken! <laughs> the Gnome King doesn't allow chickens anywhere in Oz. Who's the Gnome King? <laughs> Who is the Gnome King? <laughs> Well, here we find out that chickens are not allowed in Oz, which is hilarious. It's like, how did Belina... Obviously, somebody knew that chickens aren't allowed, and they put Belina with Dorothy because Dorothy didn't bring her. But it's like just chickens. Like, no, can can they have cows? Can they have other things? Well, but it, it was a ham sandwich in that tree, right? So there oh. are pigs in this, presumably. Yeah. It's just does, chickens. But does the tree go and, like, slaughter the pigs and, like... I, Make the I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't it's be surprised very... if the trees are alive and they're doing like going to the slaughterhouse. Like this movie is crazy. <laughs> what an insane scene that is. <laughs> okay, so oh, we find out that there's a gnome king now. And the gnome king like... is running the shots, and he apparently is the satanic figure we've been seeing vaguely in the animated scenes. Yeah. That intercut with What's going on with Dorothy? So the wheelers leave, but they threaten to kill her and throw her into the deadly desert. They're and so nice. I know. And and the way that Feruza Balk plays Dorothy, I mean, she just seems pretty unbothered by a lot of these things. Well, you know, it's Oz. And, you know, even, she even says it like, you know, I don't know. She's, she's, she's used to the strangeness of it. It's like, you know, it's like Alice in Wonderland. It's like, okay, I've been here. I know how weird this is. I'm, I'm kind of accustomed to it. Um but at the same time, she's very direct with them, which I like, because something that's consistent with this film from beginning to end is it's about, among many things, it's about how adults can be so awful to children. They're awful because they're condescending and sarcastic and verbally mean. And Dorothy is constantly calling these jerks out for, for being that way to her. Mm-hmm. You know, it's constantly happening. And it even happens with the with the wheelers. You know, the wheelers are threatening her, you know, like And she's not having it. No. So she finds a TikTok man in yes. this closet area and she winds him up and she finds out that the scarecrow put him in there to wait for Dorothy. And he tells her, like, I formulated a plan to get past the wheelers. So he has like a thinking wind up movement. It's like there's like three different things he does. Thinking, his actions, and uh, and uh, what like else? Another one. Yeah. <laughs> but 
Anyways, he has to keep getting wound up by Dorothy or like stuff. He'll just kind of like power down. He's the coolest. He's like the original RoboCop. He's got this huge pot belly, but he's got this little mustache, which is how his how his mouth moves. And he's got this big old hat and these beautiful blue eyes. And he sounds like Antonio Banderas. Mm. I kept thinking about Puss in Boots. <laughs> That's funny. I didn't I didn't hear that. But and because this is 1985, there's no computer effects. There's really somebody inside of this thing. Moving no. it and causing it to move. Yes. Really? Yes. There is, I believe, a little person who is upside down. Mm-hmm. And when it came, yeah, I mean, very uncomfortable. They're upside down. There's uncomfortable position. So the hands are where the feet are and they're moving it that way and they're moving it back and forth. Yes. Yeah, so no, it's it's not like a puppet puppet. There's This is like R2-D2 stuff. Wow. This is ancient, you know, this is a very old. And by the way, it's Deep Roy. Deep Roy is a, a performance artist, an actor. He played all of the Oompa Loompas in the Tim Burton Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Mm. Yeah, Deep Roy as TikTok man. Yeah, pretty wild. Wow. Okay, so he says he's formulated a plan to get past the wheelers. And so they they leave and the wheelers are right there waiting for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and he just kind of like spins around and like <laughs> he donkey kongs the crap out of him yeah, yeah it's great it's fantastic he just spins in a circle and they're all like attacking him and they swarm him and he just beats them uh very satisfying I and must but say. The, he grabs onto one yes and, the head of him and gets gets this uh wheeler to tell him that princess mombi is the only one who knows where the scarecrow is mm-hmm. and we're like who's princess mombi yeah oh because the gnome king says like oh she'll never get past princess mombi yeah and, and i love the way the gnome king's like they'll never get past mombi <laughs> yeah it's like geez movie i don't even know who this person is and i'm scared yeah the and the wheelers are scared of mombi so because they're kind of like show us where she is and he's like no yeah if starlight express is afraid then you know we need to be be nervous too so apparently her palace is right there in Emerald City. It's, it's a skip and a jump. It's I mean, the only yeah. thing that has really survived or else she took it over. Presumably, yeah, know, yeah. After everything fell down. Yeah. But um Yeah, and we've learned at the end of the film how she acquired that that house and how she acquired yeah. her appearance. Yeah. Okay, so Dorothy and TikTok go into her palace and Man, it's beautiful. It's everything is shiny and golden lots of and mirrors. Yeah, it's 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 beautiful. And um, so we meet Princess this young woman playing a mandolin all yeah. by herself. Yeah, it's like a little harp, and she's just like looks so nice and sweet. Yeah, and she's got like I don't know, like what? Uh, how to describe her outfit? It's like you know, it's it's like casual day at Elton John's house. Like it's this really, <laughs> it's this really opulent thing. I think it's got feathers and it. it's pretty wild. <laughs> so um, she takes Dorothy to her head room, mm-hmm. which. I think the first time I saw this, I this was the most terrifying scene for me. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's up there. Yeah. For me, I mean, the thing that's so insane is, yeah, so she goes, takes Dorothy into the room. We've, we learned very quickly that this is, you know, some people have wigs or dresses. She has this, you know, she has this Sex in the City size closet full of heads and these little glass cases that she keeps. And the heads are all alive. And to evoke that, these poor actresses, you know, you don't you don't see their necks. Apparently, they all have their heads through these like these fake holes, and they're lit in a way that it looks like just these little decapitated heads, like on these little stilts. But again, the actresses, in very subtle but very noticeable ways, their eyes are moving, they're blinking. You know, like the the film is making it very clear that these heads are all alive, magically so. But they're just, they're waiting to be worn, and they're watching Dorothy Ooh. very carefully as she goes down the hallway. Yeah, and it's just. 
it's <laughs> it's so creepy. Yeah, so Mombi takes her head off and puts on a different head. <laughs> and she tells Dorothy, like, oh, you know, like, you are attractive, like, beautiful in an unconventional way. Like, you're not going to be very pretty when you're older, but, you know... I'm going to lock you up until you grow up and then I'm going to steal your head. Which is, you know, uh, other than the head part, it's exactly the kind of thing an adult would say, an awful adult. Yep. Talk about how, how attractive she is or isn't. Yep. Talk about how I want to keep you here until you grow. Again, we're talking about, you know, the really fractured and hurtful things that adults do to kids. And this movie's about how children sometimes are able to react to that and stand up to it. Dorothy is, you know, she's she is not a victim, even though she is being, you know, put in these victimized. awful... Yeah, she's being victimized, but she's not a victim. She refuses to be. But yeah, these adults are doing terrible things. Um, yeah, um, when Dorothy first appears before Mombi, Mombi, her head is Sophie Ward from uh, Young Sherlock Holmes. But whenever the heads change, it's always the voice of Jean Marsh. Oh. It's always that voice. And it's very, it's very, because Jean Marsh is a very recognizable voice. Um, yeah, it's, it's a detail that, it's very chilling. Very chilling. <laughs> so, um, Dorothy is stuck in a tower now and TikTok has wound down. He's useless at this point. Yes. And so Dorothy meets Jack Pumpkinhead up in this tower. Yes, yeah, so all the characters. It's like okay, we don't have the scarecrow. But we got Jack Pumpkinhead. Yeah. Yeah. Mom. Mom. Oh, is that you? No. I'm Dorothy Gale. Oh. For a second there, I thought my mom had come back. Ah, what is this? A man or a melon? A pumpkin, if you please. My name's Jack. Jack Pumpkinhead. May I ask a favor of you, Dorothy? Would you please check my head for signs of spoiling? Any soft spots? How does it feel? Very nice, sir. Oh, thank you. I've been alive such a short while, and I'm afraid of spoiling before I've seen anything of the world. Could you put some of the rest of me together again? Mm -hmm. If you can just tie that arm on, and then, and then my other leg's fallen off too. Are you sure you're not my mom? I'm sure, Jack. Well, my mother built me to scare that awful witch, Mombi. She stood me in a place where Mombi would meet me, face to face. And along she came. Sure enough, she was scared. But then she was angry. She has a terrible temper. I know. Somebody made him not he wasn't alive but like somebody made him his mom he says it was an ozma we learned later it was ozma oh okay ozma made him to scare mombi i think yeah and then she like took her powder of life and made him come alive and then imprisoned him do you think when she saw like a pumpkin head she thought like this thing's making fun of me so Pro she like locked him up probably there. <laughs> how dare you yeah 
I get to have the cool heads, not you. So Jack Pumpkinhead tells Dorothy about the powder of life, which is in cabinet 31 with Mombi's original head. Yeah. And it's like, oh my God. Oh man, can't wait to see that. (laughs) Please, movie. Take us into the <laughs> take us into the collective uh, essence of our nightmares, please, please. <laughs> no. So now Dorothy has to sneak into the headroom. <laughs> yeah, this is the this is the scene that scares me the most. It still does. Um, yeah. Yeah. So Dorothy goes into the room. <laughs> okay, but never mind. Like, Mombi is asleep. Yeah. Headless. Like right. She doesn't wear a head when she's sleeping. Which is the least scary thing in the scene because like there's all these other heads that are asleep and they're all kind of like slumped over to the side. It really sucks being a decapitated head, by the way. Um, <laughs> fun fact. So she's going, you know, but they're all like they've got little lighting in their in their little uh, boxes. So it's like, you know, you know where all the heads are. You know, right, and they're, you all, they're all. You don't want to put on a Monica when you want a Rachel, you know. <laughs> you don't want to put on the wrong one, you know. Maybe you want a Chandler, you know. You want to mix it up, you know. And by the way, and there's all this like silly stuff where um, you know, they cut oh, back and oh, forth. She has to steal the key yes. from Mommy while she's sleeping. Oh, yeah, because it's around her wrist. Okay. Right. Yeah, and that's you know. So they they occasionally cut back to uh, Jack Pumpkinhead, and he's like wackadooing, like doing all these wacky little like whoa. And you know what? Fine. This movie needs every semblance of humor it can get. Like, I don't care. I don't care if there's puns. I don't care because, like, this movie is as dark as dark can be. So I'm like, fine. Give me some Care Bear level humor. I don't care, movie. Like, I'll take it. Because when we cut cut back to Dorothy, so sure enough, she gets the key. So she opens the cabinet and it's a tight, juicy close up. It's not like, no, no, no. I mean, like, you are there. All right. The the puts you right there. Dorothy is going nose to nose in this cabinet there is mommy's head asleep and it's gene marsh the nurse and you know the 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 powder of life is right there next to her so of course dorothy knocks over uh knocks over a little bottle inside there and wakes her up so i saw um return oz for the first time on the big screen about eh, 10 15 years ago now when it was at the esquire and giant scream and at this point, I'd seen it like a dozen times. It was a midnight screening. I had a lot of people there in the theater I got to talk to in the lobby. Like, oh, you grew up with this? I grew up with this, but I've never seen it on the big screen. Or there are people going like, I don't even know what this movie is. I just thought I'd check it out. And it was funny because as the movie progresses, you could hear people in the audience going, oh, you know, like you could, yeah, and the sanitarium scenes in particular, people kind of like laughing uncomfortably like, oh, this isn't what I thought it would be. People who had never seen it. Anyway, so we get to this moment, this moment where Mombi's head wakes up. But when Jean Marsh opens her eyes and goes, Dorothy Gale, oh my gosh. <laughs> I don't know that I've ever been so scared in a movie theater in my life. I was frozen, frozen. And then Feruza Balk takes the powder, runs down the hallway, and wouldn't you know it, all the heads are awake. And they're looking at Dorothy and they're screaming, <sighs> How she's running down the hallway. Oh, it's terrifying. Oh, uh, my God. So, and like, you know, the, and whatever. The, the the headless mommy wakes up. That's the least scary thing in this movie. That's how scary it is. It's like the headless monster wakes up and it's like, all right, you're 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 like the fifth scariest thing in this movie. <laughs> okay. Was that scene scarier than when you saw like A Tale of Two Sisters? That's an interesting question. All right. Because uh, you said that's the scariest movie you've that's ever That's the scariest. Seen. Yeah. And I won't describe the scariest scene in that movie, which is hard to even think about. 
about it. So scary. That's all with my buddy Zach. Um, It's up there. And another one is Pee-wee's Big Adventure, the scene where we see large Marge. Honestly, like (laughs) Marty and I still talk about it. We saw it with our dads in in, uh, in Clifton, New Jersey, and my popcorn flew up into the air, like bringing popcorn from it. It's true. And I guess the only other other one I could think of, it's so stupid because the movie is really not that terrifying. John Carpenter's last movie that he's made today is called The Ward. It's with Amber Heard. And the last scene of that movie, it's a, it's a fake out jump scare. Somebody jumps out of a mirror. I just didn't see it coming. <laughs> so I literally jumped out of my seat. I was sitting with my dear friend, uh, uh, Cody Green. And Cody was laughing at me. I'm like, I know it's not even that scary a movie. But like it, it was the last scene of the movie. I was like fiddling for my car keys. I thought the film was over. And suddenly this woman jumps out of a mirror. And oh my gosh, it jumped out of my seat. But yeah, this is, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd say it's up there. So I'm so petrified now. I'll let you describe what happens next. <laughs> okay. Well, Dorothy runs back up to the tower with the powder of life. And she's like, Jack, you haven't done anything. <laughs> so Jack is supposed to be putting together this like sleigh that they're going to like. It's a lot of, it's a lot of trust that she's putting into this character. Yeah. I mean, she really, yeah. she gave Jack a big job. And it's like making it like, okay, goofy, you're going to fly this plane. <laughs> okay. Like, no, no, you don't. No. <laughs> so Not the guy. it's like this, this moose head, um, attached to. He's called a gump for some reason. Well, okay. But yeah, nobody got a, knows what that is. He's got, well, he's like basically like a green moose. He's a green moose head who talks. Okay. Well, it's only talks because she can, puts the powder of life on Right. Him. And he's back to life. And it's a really funny thing. It's like, I was in the woods and I heard a loud noise and now I am. I'm having kind of an existential crisis right now. <laughs> I'm attached to a couch. I'm a freak. <laughs> well, yeah. It's like he, his head attached to a couch and then they attach like... These little palms so that he can fly. (laughs) Yeah. And he's two couches tied together. Yes. Yeah. So anyways, poor Dorothy has to like get this thing going and... She's pretty great, yeah, because Mombi is running up the stairs, so they all jump into this thing like it's the Millennium Falcon. Like, go, go, go! And they push it out a window, and sure enough, even though this thing is like, like who held, am I? Held together by like two bungee cords. I had a whole life as a gump, and now I'm a couch. This really sucks. <laughs> I'm plunging to my death. Oh, I'm going to fly. So he flies at the last minute. And it's glorious. The music, yeah, the music soars. And Mobby's mom, like. <sighs> she's like, she thinks they're going to crash to the ground. And they don't. So she's just. So she's upset. doing the Wicked Witch thing. She's like. Ah, and, yeah. and they fly away. She's like. <sighs> yeah. Great. So- Mombi sends the wheelers to capture them, which is hilarious because because I don't I, I don't always make the association when I watch it like oh that's right like they work for her the way you know the the flying monkeys worked for the Wicked Witch of the yeah. West. When you find, when you told me that I said oh that makes sense. But it's funny because you know the Wicked Witch I mean she got flying monkeys which is like badass. These guys <laughs> they kind of suck right. <laughs> they do because you know the flying. Monkeys- okay, roller skate warriors, roll, roll, do the wheelie thing, spin, spin, spin. Well, they have bad attitudes, and the flying monkeys just—they <laughs> were servants. They just did her bidding. You give them bananas; they do what they're supposed exactly. to. Yeah, these guys—they're jerks. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, so they can't go past the. And they're all sleeping desert. too. Right. Yeah. But the funny thing is, she's like, "Go after them," but like they're flying, and then they get to the deadly desert, and a bunch of them like fall into the sand. It's great because man, this movie makes good on that. Boy, oh boy, because you know Dorothy said, you know, it's established like, "Oh, you fall into the deadly desert, you turn into sand, you die." 
You die as sand. And, you know, it's like, okay, again, it sounds like a kid's game, but you actually see it. It's like, oh, man, that's a cool effect. So that stupid wheeler, we hate the wheeler. So it's so nice. I mean, nice. there's like three of them. It's so like- satisfying. You see them fall to their deaths. And suddenly it's like a really quick, uh, you know, a quick illusion where they, you know, they, they turn into sand. Somebody made like, you know, a plate of this guy's head. You know, it's like a sandcastle like head. And then you see like the head like split apart. It's like, oh, that's so gnarly. <laughs> and they're like, retreat. They're running away from sand. Like, oh, man, this is great. This is so cool. And the moose keeps flying towards the Gnome King just yeah. right over the deadly desert. So eventually, surprise, surprise, the moose sled isn't, you know, the best engineering and it like breaks down. I like the way this happens because I I like any film that kind of lets you rest in its world. There's a moment where they're flying into the, into the dark of night, you know, and it's like, you don't even see, you know, they're just surrounded by clouds and the darkness and the moon and Dorothy's asleep in the, in the couch with, with Belina. It's like, Oh man, that's so cool. It's like they're, they're they're taking a moment to let the characters rest and the film is getting quiet for a moment, but you also see like the ropes are becoming slowly undone. So Dorothy wakes up to just, chaos because all the ropes are, are, are breaking the thing is coming apart in midair and it's pretty it's pretty wild because like apparently they're so high up that they're they're falling for some for some time yeah well they yeah. end up landing on the gnome king's mountain so that's, landing perfectly no one gets yeah, yeah. hurt really i mean that's good it's like very convenient yeah well they're i mean they're they're way up there yeah it's cool <laughs> So the Gnome King discovers them uh, because he's like, what the hell that rock is going on up there? And the, the rock things are like, well, hey, we'll go check it out. Yeah. Um, so he discovers and them. And most importantly, like, did you see a chicken? No, sir. No, chicken. Good. Good. <laughs> well, what happens to Belina is she like falls inside of Jack's head. Yeah. Some real body horror. You got a chicken stuck inside your skull. Yeah. yeah. And he just like lets her stay in there. Like He's oh. very nice. He's like, oh, I guess I have a chicken in my head now. Yeah. Like, it's oh. that kind of a movie. I mean, he doesn't really have a brain. So I guess. If I only had a brain. So Belina. <laughs> Although brain. I guess these characters, something I noticed throughout the movie, you know, all, all the main characters, Mr. TikTok and, uh, and uh, Jack Pumpkinhead and then the Gump. They're not, you know, the cowardly line and the Tin Man and the and the Scarecrow. They're, you know, very whimsical and sweet. Like if I only had a heart, these guys are like, death is imminent, so we might as well just die. <laughs> what is the point of life? It's so fruitless. Like they're speaking in very existential tones. It's very like, man, this dark. This movie is a bummer. <laughs> okay, so. She's kind of talking to the Gnome King, like, outside on the mountain. Yeah, and he, he manifests, thanks to Will Vinton's mastery of claymation, he manifests on the side of the mountains inside, and he's speaking to them. Yeah, because she's like, give back, you know, restore Emerald City. And he's, yeah, he's a condescending jerk. He really is. And he's kind of like, no, because the emeralds were always mine, and I'm just, I just gave myself back what was mine. Yeah. And so, too bad, so sad, not going to happen. <laughs> and then he opens up the world and swallows them up. And there's this, it's a very simple effect. It's like, you know, it's a whatever. It's a blue screen effect of Fruz Balk, like in front of a blue screen. And she's seeing all the emeralds within the Gnome King's mountain. But she makes the point like, why do you even need our gnome? Why, why do you need our, need our emeralds and such? Because there, you have so much. Yeah. You know, why aren't you willing to share the wealth? And like, that's interesting. I wonder if there's some... I wonder if there's, you know, some some hidden meaning that if it's talking about, you know, um, 
a takeover, a coup, this idea of sharing resources. But in any case, yeah, the Gnome King is a greedy jerk and he's yeah, completely he's like, condescending. Too bad. They're mine. Yeah. Um, and he says that he transformed the Scarecrow into an ornament. So yeah. he has like all this room full of ornaments that he turned creatures into. It's like his own personal thrift store. Yeah. It's very weird. It's cool. It's like all these little tchotchkes and knickknacks. Yeah. So Dorothy's crying and the Gnome King is like comforting her, which is like, dude, really? You're going to comfort her after you just like told her that you're the reason all this happened? Well, I, you know, I mean, let's face it. He's how old is he? And he's been, you know, other than his weird little lackey who appears in the wall. I mean, you know, he hasn't had a he probably hasn't never been in the presence of a human, at least not since he made everybody in Oz turn what to about, stone. What about Mombi? Mombi doesn't count. He's oh. Mombi's like, you know. Mommy's like an amusing thing to him. This is this is a powerful girl. This is the girl who took down the Wicked Witch of the West. Well, that's this true. Is, this is the Dorothy Gale from Kansas, as everybody keeps referring to her. That'd be like, oh, you're John McClane. You're Nakatomi Plaza, John McClane. Okay. <laughs> Got it. You're the guy who knocked off Hans Gruber. You killed the Wicked Witch of the West. Ooh. Oh. Yeah. I know. And here, Dorothy's like, come back to Oz. We'll have a few laughs. It'll be great. <laughs> Yippee-ki-yay, Mr. Scarecrow. <laughs> Okay, so he says, you know, do you want to play a game to get the scarecrow back? And the game is basically each of you go into the ornament room one by one. You put your hand on the ornament. You yell out Oz and you have three guesses. And he leaves out the detail that if you if you if you do your three guesses and you don't guess on the right one, then you will also become an ornament. Yeah. So he, he forgets to tell them that. And Dorothy's like, that's not fair. It's interesting because, I mean, there's a lot of characters in this movie that are lifeless. You know, they're either lifeless or they're alive. You know, either you're the gump before or after the powder, you know, or the people, the statues and all. So it really is talking about, I mean, again, there's a lot of death in this movie. And it's this idea of like, look, you're either alive or you're a statue or you're, you know, a, a remnant of what used to be alive. Yeah. And TikTok, he's always like, I really value my lifelessness. <laughs> again, it's like, dude, been reading your Kierkegaard. <laughs> Been winding up your existential thoughts. Very nice. <laughs> no, I'm like, dang. Um, okay, so Moose- I think, therefore, I am. <laughs> so Moose goes in, doesn't guess right, which is great because he's a couch and he's like muttering under his breath and just like really annoyed. Like, man, I love it. He's only been alive for a few hours. He's like, this sucks. <laughs> I wish I was hanging on someone's wall. <laughs> I this know. is so degrading. Jack goes in. He, of course, he's not going to get anything. Um, So the Gnome King, I noticed every time someone goes in and like doesn't guess right, he turns more and more human-like. Yeah, that's an eerie touch. I love it. But he does, the scene later, he reveals to mom, he's like, I'm becoming human. Mm-hmm. So like that is part of the goal. It's like, yeah, this is great. Like this is a big bonus for me. Um, then he reveals that he has the, her ruby slippers. That's pretty wild. Although I want to, I want to point out a really weird, really strange moment before. <laughs> really strange. This movie is nothing but strange moments, right? So there's a scene where all the characters, right before they embark on the game, he fixes them refreshments. Remember that? Yeah. It's limestone pie and silver tea. Yeah. And I'm thinking. Okay, they're dead if they eat that crap. <laughs> I know. And Dorothy's like, mmm, it's kind of good. I'm like, why are you eating that? It tastes, you know, like when you suck on a thermometer, it tastes like that. It's like mercury. <laughs> Have some. 
I'd be like, let's go have these. I'd be like, no thanks. I'm gonna stick with my lunch pail from the lunch pail tree. No kidding, man. Yeah, uh, I have an extra ham sandwich here. It's like that ham sandwich has been the hot sun. It's gone bad. That's still better than this mercury, whatever this is. This <laughs> hot silver. Hot silver. Oh my gosh, <laughs> they're dead. Don't eat it, kid. <laughs> um. Okay, so. He has the ruby slippers, and he kind of, like, mocks her, like... Oh, no question. No, he's vicious. By the way, Nicole Williamson, I just want to say, Nicole Williamson, he plays Dr. Worley. He's also playing the Gnome King. And initially, the Gnome King is more of Will Vinton uh, claymation. But when we when he finally becomes very human-like, it's it's uh, Nicole Williamson under this remarkable makeup. He looks amazing. And again, it's like this is this is just the worst kind of adult. This is someone who is condescending to children. He is wicked. He is sarcastic. He is duplicitous. He's awful. He is everything every kid hates about an adult that they cannot trust. He's so despicable. I love what he and Gene Marsh what they're representing in this film. Um, yeah, he's wonderful. And yeah, it is it is incredible that he's like, look at what I got. Because he, he's this big, you know, he's this gray piece slab of, of stone. Of stone. <laughs> he's got these bedazzled shoes on. Yeah. yeah. And he keeps like hiding them behind. Hey, like, looky, looky, you want these, don't you? Why did you come here? I told you why. You came all this way for a scarecrow. Are you sure you didn't come back for these? My ruby slippers! No, no, no. My ruby slippers. They just fell out of the sky one day. You were so anxious to get home. They're very powerful. They made it possible for me to conquer the Emerald City. Well, and so the thing is, he's like, yeah, you know, when you went back to Kansas, they fell and I stole them. And that's how I conquered the Emerald City. And, you know, I just realized that when Dorothy was in Kansas talking to that creepy pseudo doctor. Mm -hmm. um, Same dude. And, you know, she's talking about, oh, it's the same dude. It's the same actor. Oh, see, I didn't know that. Okay. So he's like, well, where are the slippers now? And Mm -hmm. she's like, I lost them. Right, exactly. And in this version, in this world, not only is it the same character, but he's basically saying, it's your fault, kid. Yeah. It's your fault that I took over. It's your fault that Oz lost. It's your fault that this world that you love and your friends that you love, it is your freaking fault that all of this happened. So yeah. he's trying to defeat her on every level that he can, because on the one hand, he is a sorcerer and he can just turn her into stone as it's been established, but he wants to play with her. He wants to taunt her because again, well, he does give her a chance to go back to Kansas, right? He's like, I'll just send you back right now. Yeah. And she's like, well, I can't abandon my friends. Which shows how powerful she is that he'll even give her this out. It's like, look, this is a way to get rid of her. Let's play to her. Let's play to her guilt. Let's like, like look, you barely know these guys, you know, the guy that, you know, that, that cat talking couch you don't care about him anyways like just <laughs> just walk away yeah and, and to her credit she's like no absolutely not you know i would never abandon my friends he's like oh okay sorry i forgot your your dorothy gale of nakatoma plaza I shouldn't mess with you kid <laughs> so then um 
the rocks tell the gnome king like hey there's something wrong with tiktok and and she's like oh he probably needs to be wound so she goes in there and he's like hey i'm pretending because when i touch the thing like and i get it wrong maybe you'll be able to see what i turn into it's a brilliant plan it really is yeah and then you can you know figure it out but um so TikTok turns into an ornament. Dorothy, um, the like the, the lights go out, so she doesn't actually really. Yeah, so see. it does. It does. And it's not being neither here nor there, which is yeah. kind of heartbreaking because then suddenly she's alone in this room, yeah, in this huge thrift store. Meanwhile, we see Mombi on her way, which is one of the wildest things in the movie, because these wheelers are acting like a dog sled, and she's like faster. She's yeah, whipping them wildly. They, and how do they get across the? Dead it's an underground desert. tunnel. Oh yeah, yeah. It's like a subway tunnel. Yeah. Oh yeah, the underground yeah. tunnel. That's right. Yeah, and she's to yeah. the subway. Yeah, yeah, she is whipping them. It's horrible. oh, it's amazing. Like wow, like how much fun is Jean Marsh having in this movie? <laughs> like, oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah. She's probably having the most fun out of everyone because her character is so off the rails. Yeah, it's so crazy. Yeah, and by the way, I mean apparently she was a really lovely lady, and and she's still with us. She's in her eighties. She's still acting. She still does stuff all the time. It's primarily she's an English, I believe, English, English actress. So she does a lot of like British television and such, so forth. But uh, yeah, and, and a theater legend. Um, I love that in this country we know her primarily as these two despicable, awful, evil queens. But yeah, she's great. She's great in this. All right, so Dorothy finds this huge emerald ornament. Yeah, and a v- great guess. Yeah, and that's who the scarecrow turns out to be, and the gnome king like freaks out yeah. because she got it right. And what in blazes? And and yeah. Mommy shows up while Dorothy's in there, and the gnome king ends up like imprisoning her. Yeah, yeah. So that's great. So. <laughs> Um, but Dorothy finds, um, the moose and Jack, like she ends up finding it. It's everything that's green. Yeah. Yeah, You see Oz over it and they... All the green things. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, (laughs) but the Gnome King is now really back to the claymation. Yeah. He's completely, yeah. yeah, His plan of becoming human is completely gone. Dorothy has completely reversed this game for him. Yeah. Yeah. So he picks up Jack. He starts eating stuff. Is yeah, what he, he starts does. eating stuff. He eats a part of the couch, which like no, no loss. It's like it's fine. They'll uh, yeah. find another couch for the gump. It's fine. Yeah, but um, finally he sees that Belina is inside of Jack's head, and this uh, yeah, and he's just like a dragon, and Belina lays an egg right. Right into his stomach. It's so great, and you hear it like rolling, like it's like a roulette wheel before it like falls out of the pumpkin head into his gullet yeah and his eyes immediately water over it's like oh man this is like he's about to go into apoplectic shock yeah yeah so we find out that well chicken eggs are poison to gnomes and by the way just in case this movie hasn't completely seized control of all of your nightmares there's all these trolls and demons these claymation creatures that have materialized to attack the main characters and when they see that (laughs) that the gnome king you know, is is about to have like the world's greatest allergic reaction. They're like poison, poison. <laughs> it's great. It's so cool because even though like, oh man, we are out of here. This guy's yeah. about to have like, he's about to melt and just disappear. yeah. It's the wicked witch. I'm melting. Yeah, yeah, it's that. So Dorothy gets back the ruby slippers, and you know she restores the Emerald City and all the people in it. 
Um, Boy, does she ever. That's a glorious scene. I love yeah. that so much because, you know, again, like, I, I love this movie so much to just jump to that really quickly. I love this movie, but like, it's not a happy film. So when she clicks the ruby slippers and suddenly all the figures in Oz come to life, that's magical. I love that scene so much. Although I do wonder about the headless chicks. Yeah, they come back. They yeah, but, but remember, there was one that was on the ground. The movie doesn't acknowledge that. There was one of the, because they're all in a circle, but there is one headless dancer that is like over on the ground. You don't think she comes back to life? Well, I mean, uh, I don't know. I, I feel like there's some continuity problem. Anyway, neither well, here nor there. All right. Well, okay. Dorothy pulls Ozma out of the glass. Yeah. And you realize that was the girl who saved her from being electrocuted at yes. the beginning. Yeah, and we also learned that Ozma it used to be her palace until Mombi used her magic to Yeah, to imprison her. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so Ozma is the rightful ruler. Um and so I think Dorothy feels like great. You have the do you take the ruby slippers and I can go back to Kansas. And she says like you'll be able to like see us again anytime you want. But Belina stays in Oz. I mean, does she just feel so powerful now that her eggs killed the Gnome King that she's like, I'm staying here, man. I'm appreciated. I think she understands that Kansas is the most boring place on planet Earth (laughs) and that anywhere, even a place where things like wheelers and headless maidens exist, even that's better than being in a place as boring as Kansas. Wow. All right. I hope my family doesn't listen to this episode. (laughs) I'm sure the Kansas tourism board will send us an email. <laughs> All right. Well, Dorothy wakes up by the river back in Kansas. Yeah. What a beautiful shot of a close up of her eye again. And she's just kind of looking at this little uh, little twig swirling in a bit of water. Um, it's almost like it, the close up of her eye is so intense. It's almost like the shot of Janet Lee in Psycho. It's that, it's that intimate and close. Mm. And again, it's like reflective of the opening scene. Like this is a haunted child. This is a kid who has, you know, had visions that, you know, the adults can never comprehend or, or, or grasp really. And, uh, yeah, it's great. Uh, Toto finds her. Yeah. Toto finds her and her uncle, Uncle Henry finds her and it's, Fine, it's so good for sweet. nothing. Fine. Well, no, finds it's her. really sweet. <laughs> Yeah. Because he's like so happy she's alive. And we find out the clinic was struck by lightning and burned to the ground. Yeah. Yeah. Although what about the people in the basement? Oh. You know what? Their brains were mush. What was going to happen? God, that's grisly. It's like months before 1900. Nobody has any like resources or medicine to save them. Oh, man. They're out of their misery now. I know. It's it's, This movie is brutal. (laughs) Oh my God. Well, that's good. Yeah. Well, it was cool that he dies because it's like, yeah, he went back in to save his instruments. Like, you idiot. Yeah. No, not my electro machine. Wait, I think they said that everybody got out except the doctor. Except for him. Yeah. So maybe, a, the, yeah. maybe the freaks got out. Well, did they even know about the freaks in the basement? I don't know. We should, find, we should, we should look it up. <laughs> it's really. The thing is, you know what? I don't even want to know. I know. Yeah. There's all sorts of like under the surface stuff in this film. It's like, you know, again, like how the wheelers can tear people apart. I don't, I'm sure there's an answer to that. I don't want to know. I don't want to know. All right. So Dorothy's back home. How long has she been gone? Like their house has been rebuilt. She has a new bedroom. I mean, (laughs) everything is like. Well, it's probably been a few days. Um, A few days? Yeah. It had to have been longer than that for their whole house to be rebuilt. No, no, no. I think at the end of the film, it's some time has gone by. I think 
Because I think, oh. yeah, when she, when she, um, you're not, you're not wrong, but I, I think, I think it's, it's just a matter of how the film cuts because, you know, she escapes from the sanitarium. She ends up in the water and presumably that is where, you know, she gets washed ashore. Yeah. And I would say it's probably. Like the next day? Yes. So oh. I think after she's found, then we're cutting to. Like months later. Yes. Okay. I, I think so. Yeah, yeah. But, but there is the possibility, and it's not a nice one, that uh, everything that happens is a dream. Not only that, um, you know, Dorothy's about to have the electrodes put on her put on her head, and a second before the electrodes are put on her head, that's where the power out happens, and then that's how the girl in the mirror is somehow able to get into that room. I mean, everything we're seeing in this movie could simply be, you know, like the quick story that her mind is giving her right before she dies. And it's very peculiar how she exits Oz. Remember where, she, remember where she's exiting Oz? And she's like, it's so bright. Why is it so bright? That's peculiar. Um, mm. You know, because if her brain is being pierced or if her brain is being full of electricity... Wouldn't she see electrical light? Oh, I do not like this version that you've just well figured out. I mean, you know, but it, it, you know, we talk about the last. Fr- I mean, for, there's a few things that are interesting. So, in, in the final moments, you know, NTM goes to visit Dorothy, and sure enough, Dorothy is still talking about Oz, and like, all right, you, you know, you, you survived. You survived the electronics, the electric, <laughs> the electric Kool Aid acid trip over there at, at, at Worley's, you know, sanitarium. We'll let it, we'll let it slide that you're still talking about the the Oz gibberish, but you know, Dorothy calls on Ozma, and immediately it's like a, you know, it's like a Facetime chat. She has this like, yeah. you know, in her mirror, she's like right there with the chicken, like hi. <laughs> Can you hear me? No, 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 your 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 microphone's off. Turn it on. Hi. <laughs> she's on Zoom. Yeah, yeah. And she's got Bolina. And it, it's kind of eerie the way they're looking at her. But again, like there's something again, there's something dreamlike about it. And the fact that the dream world and the real world are overlapping, it does make me question if like, it's you really think happening. She got electrocuted? I don't know that she ever got out of the sanitarium. I don't know. So did it not burn down? Uh, I, it, I I think she might have died. She could have. The oh full film gosh. might be her dream. Well, what did what is happens in the book? Do we do we know? Well, in the book, I, well, I mean that's that's a whole other thing. I mean whether uh, you know because I I haven't read the Land of Oz, but I read Ozma of Oz and it had a lot of the events and characters in this movie. Although it was a little different um, because it dealt so much about being in Oz. Um, but like it's it's very much like Alice in Wonderland. You know, it's it's like it's very ambiguous, extremely ambiguous about whether it's real or not, or whether it's a child's imagination. You know, whether these real these worlds, you know, the world on the other side of the Looking Glass is actually real. But I mean, it's interesting because not only do we get that bit where she's able to see Ozma and Belina looking at her through the mirror, kind of creepy, but then she goes outside and she's playing around, and this is beautiful long shot where she's you know looking at her uncle film, uh, working on the house. Camera pulls back, credits start, but then it ends on a freeze frame, and we see that it's like this photo. It's a curious touch, you know, because a photo is you know a captured memory. It's like a captured dream. Is any of this is any of this real? I mean, is this the best case scenario? Was this once again Dorothy experiencing a trauma, a traumatic event, and you know the the, the confines of her mind? 
were what she used to get out of it, to, to survive it, to, to process the trauma. Mm-hmm. You know, she survived the tornado. In this case, she survived, you know, horrendous... Electroshock therapy. Electroshock therapy, yeah. You know, abuse by, you know, the hands of these doctors. So mm-hmm. did she survive it or is she a victim of it? Is she, you know, one of those wailing souls in the basement of, of Dr. Oh. Worley's... Yeah. Oh, man. This is even more depressing than I thought. Wow. Brought to you by Walt Disney. <laughs> so yeah. that's Return to Oz. And um, yeah, this movie has acquired a really healthy cult following over the years. Um, it did terribly in theaters. Word of mouth was pretty dire for this movie. I remember when it came out, I, I was really curious about it because the, the, you know, the the trailers were everywhere, the poster was everywhere, and it looked it looked cool. It did, but there was something about it, and I I thought, eh, I don't really want to see it in the theater. Um, but I, I started watching it a lot when it was on the Disney Channel, which was not long after it was in theaters, and I think it was on HBO too, and renting it. I saw it over and over and again, and one of the reasons is this is this is a film that even though it it scared me, I really respected it. Hmm. I could really tell like there's something to this. This isn't just it's not stupid. It's just it's very disturbing, but I felt very drawn to it, and I kept going back again and again and watching it. And you know, it, you know, I'm in my 40s now, and it still it still disturbs me. But uh, I I, uh, I think there's a richness to this movie. I really do. And and again, like. This is this is a case where there's just no market for this movie in 85. I mean, like, this was the age of, like, teen sex comedies and, you know, special effects movies and Rambo. Like, this film really, really stood out. There really just – there wasn't a proper way to market it. Definitely not from Disney at this point. They didn't know what they were doing. This is a few years – actually, this is the year um, that Michael Eisner took over Disney. Because Michael Eisner came in there, 85, 86, basically cleaned up shop. He's like, okay, okay, we got to stop doing these Fox and the Hound, Robin Hood movies. We're going to like, okay, let's let's like really rejuvenate animation. And he had Jeffrey Katzenberg take over the animation wing and boom, you had Little Mermaid, Aladdin, Beauty and the Beast, Lion King, all on top of each other. Um, they actually found a way for Disney to make edgier, even R-rated movies. They came up with this Touchstone Pictures line. So that Touchstone Pictures, like those are Disney films in some cases made on the Disney lot, but like they could be R-rated films, but because it doesn't say Disney, it says Touchstone, they were able to distribute them. Um, Everything was just like really clicking once Eisner came around. Um, But before Eisner did show up, there were these weird little miracles that were coming out of the company. And this was one of them. Um, yeah, I'm definitely one of the people who are of the cult of this film. I uh, I, I love this movie so much. Every time I go back to it, I'm moved by it. Um, I'm disturbed by it. Um, you, you know, I've always said like a horror movie is a film where the villain is just the strongest and most powerful character in the story. That's that's really what makes a horror film. And, and this is a horror film because the characters that Nicole Williamson and Gene Marsh are playing are so vivid and so scary and so rotten to the core um, you really, you're really rooting for their comeuppance. Um, you're not rooting for them to to kill the protagonist. You're really, you really care about Dorothy Gale, and she seems a very vulnerable. It helps that it's not Judy Garland. It is a very little girl playing this character, which just makes it so much more immediate. The special effects are fantastic. They still look good. Of, uh, I, I really didn't even notice anything like, oh, like you know, Matt Penning. No, like everything looks real. The music by David Shire, and this is the only film directed by Walter Murch, the legendary editor of. 
for example, Apocalypse Now, The Godfather, um, uh, The English Patient. He's considered the world's greatest editor. World's greatest editor. Like, you know, he's the guy. And this is the only film he ever directed. Apparently, Disney did not like what they saw, and they fired him at one point. And George Lucas vouched for him. He's like, no, 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 he's my boy. So George Lucas got in there and got him back. And apparently, Lucas was a big supporter of him. Um but yeah, even though Disney, you know, the company really tried, but like there just was not an audience for this film and it just died after a week. And now it's like one of those premier cult films. And I'm glad that it's caught on. I love that it's on Disney Plus because for a while, the company, they wouldn't even acknowledge this movie for a while. There's a period where when it came out on video cassette, they didn't even have the Disney logos They're on like, the box. We're embarrassed. I have a I have an edition of this movie on DVD where it's like you would there's no Disney logo on it at all. And you know, now it's like it's on Disney Plus and it even opens up with well. Walt Disney presents like yeah sure he did no he didn't Walt Disney would probably have never I think Walt Disney probably would have been horrified by this movie and I know that uh, people who loved The Wizard of Oz in certainly in 85 they hated this film it's like there's no singing it's sad it's scary um, but you know what the original Wizard of Oz was scary Margaret Hamilton is the Wicked Witch of the West really scary and I've and we've talked about that because I've been like hey can I show yeah, no. Wizard of Oz to our seven year old girl like no it, it'll traumatize her I'm like can I show Return of Oz like oh okay yeah let's watch it as a family no I did no, you not didn't. no you didn't <laughs> okay no. Um, all right, because your theory disturbed me so much, oh, I just had to Google. You looked it up? Oh, no. No, some random person on Reddit, I thought this was an interesting theory. They think that Dorothy did die uh-huh. in getting electroshock therapy yeah. and that Oz is purgatory. Jeez. And then when she finally works her way through all of the, like, you know, people and... Okay, I don't really know how purgatory works, but she, like... It's like living in Kansas. She fixes it. And then going to Kansas is like heaven now because Mm. now she's back to where she feels safe. Yeah. So that is a disturbing idea that she actually dies in this sanatorium. I mean, look, the idea that she dies in the sanitarium, it, it makes sense to me because the movie really switches gears. It's building towards this death sentence is what, she, what it is. And she has the, you know, she has the little headphones put on her head. And I mean, it's just seconds before she's supposed to die that suddenly the light goes out. I mean, the movie just, it feels like the film is really switching gears at that point. So that's why... I think there's some merit to that idea. I don't like it. I don't want Dorothy Gale to die. Um, again, because I really... I'm like, who is the effed up person that was like, yeah, this is a great idea for a children's film. This is so weird. Yeah, but you know, some children's films, you know, they present threats and antagonists that are silly, buffoonish. I mean, any kid who has, you know, suffered from, you know, doctors that have misdiagnosed or abused or hurt them, any child that has had an authority figure abuse or, you know, uh, uh, you know, abuse their power and authority, um, I find that there are things in this movie that are relatable to anyone who's had a rotten childhood, anyone who has had a teacher or anyone of power um, mistreat them. So I, I think films like this are valuable because even though it's a fantasy, a horror fantasy, it's it's giving you – it's like, look, like, you know, sometimes these things, we survive them. 
you know, and yeah, sometimes to survive. She, if she didn't survive, then. But uh, you know what she? You know what she never does. She never compromises who she is. She's a strong little girl, and she stands up to these monsters, whether it's real or not. Is almost kind of it. Kind of it's neither here nor there because or Dorothy Gale's reality is the reality that that we are in, whether it's real or not. We're with her, and the film does not explain whether it's real or not, which is an indication of like it could all be real. Because Dorothy thinks it's real, so therefore we are we're in the we're in the same boat as she is. Yeah. So no, I think there's I think there's valuable there's value to these kind of movies. I mean, you know, with the obvious they look like you know decades later, Harry Potter. These those movies are nightmare generators. Nobody nobody complained. It's like they're faithful to the books. We love them. But like those films, it's this very similar idea. It's like look, if if you've ever been to a boarding school or a private school and you've had adults that were duplicitous, who you can't trust, who are rotten to you, you've had friends who misabuse, who you know just just. All the awful things that happen to you when you're a young person, that's what those Harry Potter books and movies are about. They're about like how you survive these situations, how like, you know, taking a math test and having a crush on someone who doesn't have a crush on you back and you fail at sports and you have teachers who are out to get you. It's what it feels like to be in in those fantastical worlds. It's very relatable. So... I imagine like a little girl who went to like a boarding school or, you know, had to live with an aunt or uncle or, you know, was, was, was forced to undergo like a medical procedure that's, that they did not want. I'm sure they could look at this and go, oh yeah, that's, that's how it feels. Cause sometimes art is about like, look, it's going to be okay. We're all, we're all in this together. Yeah. Until your aunt drops you off at an electroshock therapy place well you know for one thing the aunt is not able to look on reddit she's not able to like you know <laughs> like look up oh like you know um dr worley freak show you know dot com no like you know there's there aren't like the youtube videos like don't go there no it's like <laughs> she's like oh no it's everyone's been giving it zero stars i guess it's a no I mean, look, I, I've certainly been to places where I'm like, oh, this place is a, a total lie, total hoax. I mean, you and I have been to like places where I'm like, you know, this, this this office, this clinic, you know. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I'm just I'm just disturbed by your theory. So it's like as if the movie wasn't already bad enough, like horror wise for this child. Now I'm like, oh man, what if she's actually dead? It's like the ending of Total Recall, and many have said that the ending of Total Recall is probably it's probably as awful as you think it is. The ending of Total Recall suddenly ends with with a bright shining light, and one of the last lines is like, you know, what if this is all a dream? If it is, you know, kiss me before I wake up. But like before you wake up, oh my gosh! So like this, the whole film could be a fantasy that that the Arnold Schwarzenegger character is having, and he's about to have a lobotomy, and his life is over. In the ending of Brazil, like there's a, there's a lot of films that present this idea that we can have a whole life in our minds um, that they might be just moments, but they could seem like a whole lifetime of adventure, of accomplishment, of catharsis. Um, you know, th- that's what uh, O. Henry's an occurrence in Owl Creek Bridge. That's what that's about the guy who's about to be hung and he gets off the noose and he runs and he has this whole thing where he gets away and suddenly ugh, the neck the noose noose is around his neck and he and he, he's actually got hung you know to spoil that story it's about you know it's about a guy who has he like he fantasizes that he escaped the hangman's noose and he didn't 
Um, a lot of stories deal with that. This idea of like, look, look, we're all going to die. Sometimes we, you know, we go the way we want in our sleep, and sometimes we don't. What happens is what we do when we know that we're going to die. What we, you know, the Dorothy Gale, you know, whether she lives or dies, no. What's important is that she never compromises who she is. She's always a friend to those who need friendship. She is stronger than those stupid, awful adults who are abusing her. And ultimately, the fact that she's a good person is what makes her come out in the end. And by the way, I like this Dorothy Gale better than Judy Garland's. I do. Mm. I don't think this movie is as good as The Wizard of Oz, (laughs) but I like Feruza Balk's taking the character better than anyone else's. Yeah. And you know what? I like that it's, it's not a musical I don't care about like the fact that there's... I kind of want to see a, a a a number with all those heads, all the heads singing. Yeah, somewhere over the rainbow. <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah. that's Can you imagine that nightmare city yeah. right there. <laughs> no, thank you. So, all right, how many stars do you give this? Four. Oh, four. I think it's one of the best films in 1985, I do. Wow. Yeah, and the other movie that came out that year that I love, uh, that was the year of After Hours, which we spoke about recently, mm-hmm. and Brazil is my number one, and Brazil is also a movie about, it's about fantasy and reality, and how sometimes they are interchangeable depending on who is having the dream. Um, I love movies like this where it's like you don't really know what's real or not real because you're you know, you're inside the psyche of the main character, and it's like this. it could be either way. The movie's not telling us, and... I, I kind of dig that. Yeah. As opposed to like, it was all a dream. I hate those kind of movies. <laughs> it's like, no, no, no. It was the fin- it was all a dream. So like, it turns out it didn't even happen. No, I, I prefer this where it's like. Ambiguous. It, yeah. He loves ambiguity. Yeah. No, I love this film. I, and I know it's a tough one. And I know a lot of people like me, ch- children of the 80s are like, this is a scary, messed up movie. It is. But it's better and smarter than most people remember, I think. Okay, I I think I give it three stars um, because I do like the special effects are amazing, the acting is great, um, the story is wackadoo, but it's still very engaging, even though it's disturbing. Um, and I mean, I did enjoy watching it again, but it still freaked me out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Likewise, so. yeah. So yeah, we'll be showing this to be um, for like at least another decade. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That makes sense. I mean, I mean, I, I don't know. I felt like I was a little, even though I didn't see it in the theater, I did feel like I was a little too young when I saw it. But I think by the time I was in, I don't know, maybe high school, when I started looking at it, a couple every couple of years, I look at it, and yeah, I, I think it's a masterpiece. I really do. Okay. So I hope he sees it. I hope she sees it when she's a young woman. I don't want her to see it like when she's 40. I think she should see it when she's oh, young. But yeah, I know, I'm yeah. not saying that, but yeah. definitely not this year or next year or the year after that. <laughs> <laughs> not this decade. <laughs> All right. Well, do you have any other final thoughts? No, no. I think, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm glad that people are still talking about this movie. I mean, you know, we're, right now we're, we're dealing with summer movies. There's a lot. I mean, there's a lot of you know, very obvious choices we could have gone with the summer of 85. This was not an obvious choice, but I feel like a lot of people, this film resonates with them because they have very strong feelings about this movie. And I'm glad, I'm, you know, love it or hate it. It's a film that you, you really don't forget, but I think it's a film that people do need to encounter. And, uh, and certainly if you love fantasy, if you're a fantasy fan, like check this thing out, it's, it's better than, it's better and smarter than you remember, I think. All right. Yeah. I think that does it for Return to Oz. Dorothy Gale!